Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Grund. Kirk and Anthony are here. Guys, we are back, and get this, we're actually going to talk about movies. Now, one of the strikes have officially ended. The writer's strike is over. There's still a strike going on with the actors, but unlike, what was it, September? I don't think I saw really any movies in September. I've actually seen movies this month. So we get to do the the podcast that a few of you listen to. So I hope you're happy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we've talked about a few times on this, we've kind of chronicled the uh, the different strikes as we've talked about movies as they release. And we've had a little bit of a, a long break between some of these episodes because there's been less to talk about. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the the Writers Guild strike is over and they got what they wanted, which is very good. And uh, hopefully soon the Actors One will too. Yeah, you would think. Yeah. I would have. Th- I actually thought when the uh, the writer's strike ended that, like, okay, the dominoes will fall into place now. Like, this is... We're reaching the end, and mm-hmm. uh, we haven't yet, so... No. No, they've been unable to sort of reach that sort of climax. I thought it, within, like, a couple of weeks it would have gone, but... Yeah, I guess not. They just don't want to pay whomever they need to. So, sorry. I guess that's that. But you know what? We're back in the world of movies as it is. You and I both saw a movie that uh, I guess fits into our sort of wheelhouse. I think so. Sort of a uh, dramatized sort of biopic about, uh, I guess, modern culture. Which, you know, there's a lot of sort of historical uh, biopic-type movies going on right now, especially this year with, with brands. That was the big thing, especially earlier, like in the summer. Uh, we've, we've talked about it before. I don't want to get into it now. But this one, not so much a brand. Um, I, I guess the, a brand is involved, but it's not really about them. It's more <laughs> so about an event that uh, yeah. we lived through, which is kind of amazing. Like, this is a, a movie that we lived through the events, and, of course, that's, that's dumb money which is the GameStop trick movie, if you all even remember that, uh, because it's so recent that I wouldn't blame anybody for forgetting about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is one of those funny things. to say, but yeah. Um, so, I mean, what you're talking about with like the, the brand movies, I mean, all of these kind of have an underdog story. Right. But from this corporate, they're a corporate underdog, I guess is what you'd call them. And then, yeah, so you have this, which fits into that a little bit as well, but like you said, isn't about... GameStop. It's not about uh, the GameStop people being like, "Look at our stocks." Uh, it's it's not really. It's not. I mean, we don't see anyone from GameStop at all besides uh, the Anthony Ramos character, who's just like a sales guy, yeah, um, a store clerk. So yeah, I thought that was uh, interesting. How it was an underdog story about a company, but from the perspective of everyone but the company. Um, and uh, I had a lot of fun with this. Like you said. It's funny to think that this is as modern as modern history can be. This is only 2021 when this is predominantly set. Mm -hmm. I I mentioned this on Letterboxd. I mean, there will be movies that will show the, like what era it's set in through showing famous movie scenes and famous TV commercials and music videos and things like that. Air did that a lot. The, uh, the Ben Affleck's shoe movie. Yeah. (laughs) This does that through memes and, uh, like, TikTok dances and songs. <laughs> so um, yeah. it's fu- funny to think that we're now at that point where we can show a montage of memes and be like, oh, okay, I can tell when this is set. And, uh, uh, like, Reddit being almost a 
character in the movie and uh, the importance of like a Reddit thread being shut down. Uh, I've never seen a movie like this before. It was very strange to see some of that, uh, like Big E spanking John Moxley, like in a meme. On a, like, it was yeah. very strange to see on the big screen. That was definitely a moment that caught my eye. Because it was, you're yeah. right, it was just a gif of, of the wrestler Big E. And it's like, I recognize yeah. that. I remember that. So that was that was a bizarre moment. But you're right. It's a, It's like... Well, it's so recent, but I guess the story has been told, you know, like where it ends seems like a logical conclusion to, to take a narrative in that regard mm-hmm. for a film. So it, it it's understandable where the story goes, but yeah, it is still kind of funny to think about because, you know, we, like I said, we lived through it. I remember being in that time and hearing about all the, the problems and, and, and really at the height of uh the big explosion and then Robin hood and, and all that stuff, you know, doing what they did, which is all in the film. So it was a uh, very, very surreal seeing that how all happened in a way that was starring a bunch of people. Cause it's got a really big cast. It's got a bunch of uh, funny recognizable names in it. I would say, um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, it's, it's not like a stellar movie by any means, but it's uh, it's, it's a good time and it's fairly entertaining throughout the the entire sort of watch there i i just had a enjoyable time with a lot of the cast you know i think that was my letterbox review was mainly about the cast because it's just like the way they segment it because obviously you want to show this sort of uh far-reaching events you know it's it's you sort of alluded with the reddit thing it's all about being on the internet and how far that reaches so it's not about like a bunch of characters that know each other you know, this isn't like five friends that take down the system. It's like, no, it's, it's all complete strangers and it's just selective stories about mm-hmm. their lives. You know, like the uh, lady from, from Barbie never talks to the guy from the Transformers <laughs> movie. Like America Ferrera. Yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. Uh, I was just tying them to their toy properties. That was more. Oh, I see. What I, I see. Going for Sorry. Here. It's, a, it's a big year for, for brands, as you can say. <laughs> But yeah, like, so you don't really see all that. It's more like little individual stories. So it's like when you go to them, you're like, oh, let's see what this character's up to. Let's see what they're all about. And they're all entertaining in their own different ways and kind of seeing their struggles. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I think it was, it's fun. And then that's all bolstered on, on the Riddler's performance with uh, Paul Dano. So that's great. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with the performances, uh, different people, like you said, who have different lives and are all dealing with this one same problem is an interesting way to tell this story. I know it's based on uh, the Antisocial Network, I think was the book. And I don't really know anything about the book, so I probably shouldn't like compare the two. But uh, I don't know if some of the characters that we follow are real people. They might be, might be loosely based on several people, like the, the two girls that are in college i don't think those mm-hmm. are actual people from real life and uh, america ferrera's character might be based on someone um and same with like the anthony ramos character i think was just to show someone working for gamestop i mean i really liked the line again weird how nostalgic certain things from like the the lockdown era of the pandemic can be but uh when they say that uh, gamestop is still open because they sell computer mouses so that makes them an essential <laughs> business even yeah, though what they yeah. predominantly sell is video games um yeah it was little things like that were like oh yeah i remember that yeah 
good movie, good good fun movie. Uh, <laughs> just a, a good underdog story. I'd watch it again. Like you said, it's it's nothing uh, incredible, but I had a lot of fun with it. And uh, yeah. Oh yeah, it's super funny. I mean, if you like a lot of these people, if you just look at the cast list and you find any of those people funny, I think that's it's worth a, a watch. It's 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 got all that. It's got a bunch of of people that whether they they normally do funny roles or not you know they work with here like anytime sebastian stan was on screen yes. his like slimy character that he was playing was i i found really humorous uh you had <laughs> mentioned the dane dehan reveal um yes i i cracked that pretty pretty early on like it's, yeah i wouldn't say it was immediate um but it was a second where i was like i know that voice <laughs> yeah i know who that is behind that mask and i know that voice and i know those sad eyes <laughs> like, <that must> be <laughs> oh come on he could be in the spider-man movie uh yeah it was it was pretty great sort of having him in that role of like the the friendly manager type but it's like he has like the when he's like pulling his chain and, and being like oh i'll do this and he's like yeah yeah that's great like it's just totally like a a disconnect of like I'm the cool <laughs> guy, but he's not relatable in any sense. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, once again, Pete Davidson is is funny. Um, he is funny. I, yeah. Uh, it's funny coming in late to the Pete Davidson train because obviously it, he has sort of a a reputation online. People seem to really sure. hate him. I wasn't aware of any of that. I don't watch SNL. I don't know any of his stand up. So when he started showing up in movies pretty frequently, he was a new face to me. Like, I knew the name, but I don't really – I didn't know him. So I've only seen him in things and found him entertaining, whether that be Bodies, Bodies, Bodies or this or his five seconds in the Suicide Squad. I don't care. It's just it, he had a bit of a reputation of being this sort of like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of him. And then I see him and I'm like, I've only seen him in things where I find him funny. So uh... – <laughs> sorry once again he was fine in transformers <laughs> i don't have a problem with him i do find him annoying but i've liked him in things that i've seen him in recently basically this and like you said bodies 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 but hey he's found a pretty good niche playing like dumb <laughs> annoying people <laughs> like we're, i think we're meant to not like him for a majority of what oh, we see of him in this movie he's, he's like a doordash driver that like steals people's food you're supposed to be like oh God, yeah this is the worst kind of person i did laugh pretty hard whenever he called himself an essential worker and a first responder for being a delivery yes. like food service person a first responder that really got me in the theater not gonna lie yeah good film yeah we'd both recommend it kirk what else have you seen besides the GameStop trick movie? Well, uh, I saw a film a little while ago, an A24 film called Past Lives. Uh, it got a lot of buzz at Sundance, so I was interested in seeing it. And I decided to not watch a trailer for it and not really read anything about it. So I went into it kind of blind, which was nice. Sometimes I like to do that. And uh, do you know about this movie? at all besides what i might have told you past lives is this like a sequel to the kevin spacey movie where he's a cat Hmm, close okay it's about a boy and a girl from south korea who go on a date when they're kids and then the girl and her family move to america when she's an adult uh and facebook is around she looks up the boy and uh they start talking again over skype 
Um, and they, they kind of start this long-distance friendship, a little bit of romance in there as well. Uh, but a great film. Really good story about fate and destiny and you know, what-ifs and uh, what it's like to look back at regrets we have in life. And uh, I got to see it in cinemas, which is nice. And uh, this is one of the films where the actors right. will be allowed... What was that? I just said, all right. Um, it's, well, I mean, it's already out on digital is what I mean. So I'm, I'm glad I got to see it in uh, cinema. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, this is one of the films where the actors will be allowed to promote it come award season time because A24 are a good studio. And uh, yeah, I don't want to say much else about it because I went into it totally blind. But uh, if this sounds like it's something that you might enjoy, it's a nice romance film but also you know something that definitely spoke to me in terms of the the sadness that comes with it uh great film past lives go see it now on digital apparently you can watch it on your phone <laughs> yes <laughs> well i'll tell you about a film that i definitely didn't watch on my phone and if i did i'd be disappointed um i watched a guillermo del toro classic called mm. pan's labyrinth uh which is uh, an older film, I guess. It came out like 2007, 2006, sometime around that period. And um, yeah, it's it's quite good, I would say. Potentially even great. I'd, I'd even go as far as to say that. Now, uh, Kirk, you've never seen the film Pan's Labyrinth, I assume. Is that right? No, I, I haven't. I love Guillermo del Toro movies, but uh, this is one that's just always been... I remember when it came out and how popular it was, and I've just never seen it, so... Uh, yeah, I can't contribute to this conversation. Well, I, I just want to make sure, because I don't want to give away spoilers, because I went into this knowing next to nothing, I would say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. So, I mean, it, it does a, a wonderful thing of, of telling a sort of modern twist. I say modern. It takes place uh, in the early 1900s during World War II. So mm-hmm. it's not modern in the sense of today. But... It is a fairy tale story, and it's something that I, I do enjoy. I was talking to, to Ray about this today. I really enjoy taking the fairy tale kind of narrative and structure and applying it to any kind of story. You know, like The Wizard of Oz is a fairy tale, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's it's not literally like, oh, the Hansel and Gretel or Snow White. Like, those are fairy tales in a classical sense, but just sort of the general idea of a character going on an adventure, traveling to a, a world, you know, going past the barrier and discovering something, defeating evil, um, you know, the, the kind of things where a character will often travel sort of deeper and deeper into darkness and, like, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and I felt like this movie does a really good job of combining, like, fantasy horror and real-life horror in a, in a way that I wasn't expecting. Uh, mm-hmm. To the point to when I got to the, the end of the film that I, I sort of accepted it where I was like, oh, OK, like that's that's how it ends. This is where it all comes to yada, yada, yada. Like it, it's not like I was uh, dismissing it in any way. I just I understood what the ending was like. I mm-hmm. it all clicks and it all comes together. Um, and then it wasn't until like going to bed and then waking up the next day that it like really affected me. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was deeply saddened by the film and and the things I took away from it. And 
I mean, it can be one of those films, depending on who you talk to, the director or whatever, uh, where you can get a bunch of different interpretations and have your own thoughts on it. But my takeaway from it made me feel very, very sad for the characters and the story. And I thought that was all very interesting because I, I sort of went in with a very specific expectation and coming out of it. Not to say that it, like, didn't have those things. Because, like, beforehand, I, I I literally knew, like, the major creatures of the film. You know, there's uh, uh, Doug Jones in the sort of uh, fawn suit, and then there's him in the pale man suit. And he does all the, the body work and things for that. So, like, that's what I knew. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> so, <laughs> seeing what they do with the story and all the different little beats and everything was was a pleasant surprise and i do think that it, it's um it's a it's a it's a good movie to kind of show anybody i think it's a good entry point if you kind of want like something with scary imagery and things like that without it being over the top or or like violence you know you know Guillermo, it's more of a gothic romance like those are more of his his places he doesn't go for like a straight up like jump scare sort of uh world his is much more in the realm of of twisted fairy tale like you know there's there's light and dark and all sorts of things so i i would highly recommend it i'm sure a lot of people have listening to it have already seen it and if you haven't if it's just one of those ones that have passed you by especially with recent years with how you know big guillermo has has gotten in terms of his films obviously he's been a working man for quite a few decades at this point he's mm-hmm made a lot of films and he's not made even more films. Uh, and, but especially with him winning the Oscar for shape of water and when nightmare alley came out, everybody was talking about that. So it's like, you may have missed a couple and maybe it's this one. I, I, I'd highly, highly recommend it. It's very, very good. And you know, if I hope what I've said, hasn't sort of given anyone any sort of preconceived notions or spoiled it without me meaning, but if you can go into it, not knowing a whole lot, then uh, I'd recommend doing it that way. It is it is a subtitled uh, film. It's entirely in Spanish, so that that shouldn't be a problem. But if it is, uh, then I guess stay away if you don't want to read. I guess. <laughs> you know, Guillermo del Toro cameoed, uh, or I guess I say cameoed. He had a whole scene uh, in Barry this year, and he wasn't wearing his glasses. So there was that second where I was like. Is that Guillermo del Toro, or is that a man that looks exactly like him? Oh and, my goodness! Uh, uh, yeah, it was it was him, and he was great. And I I hadn't really seen him act before, so that was fun. He's, he's a very poetic man, that Guillermo. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I love Guillermo, so I, I will uh, I will definitely check this out at some point. It's Halloween season. Um, this this might be a a fun one to watch. Um, I I wasn't. I'll just very quickly say because I wasn't originally going to talk about this, and I'll explain why. Uh, I watched for the first time uh the haunting of hill house this past week right right uh which i i really really loved and the reason i'm talking about it is because what you said about you woke up the next day and you felt sad and how much pan's labyrinth affected you i had a very similar effect uh or this show haunting of hill house had a similar effect on me and it's about uh it's about family and uh, but (laughs) that that aspect of it did uh, affect me a lot and it's not a real there are some but it's not a real jump scare show it's a more a creepy atmosphere kind of horror show and i have seen a couple of mike flanagan's movies um 
Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep, which I both really liked. And I haven't watched any of his shows, so I wanted to start watching these because his new show, The Fall of the House of Usher, is out. And I thought it'd be good to go back and, and watch some of the others first. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to um, Haunting of Blind Manor and Midnight Mass. And uh, and then to uh, to Fall of the House of Usher. So, yeah, I just want to say, like, again, creepy season, you know, Halloween season. But yeah, I had a similar effect. Uh, or that show had a similar effect on me, it sounds like. so. But I imagine a lot right. of people who want to watch a show like that have already seen it. But still, I would recommend. It's a very good show. <laughs> right, and these are all Netflix shows, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. Okay, so is this like a yearly thing? So obviously, I remember when the first one came out, and people mm-hmm. were like, this is great. Um, and he's just done multiple sort of shows since. But it's not like, like it, it, it would have been really easy to, to try and shove, like, season two or make this into a more recognizable series. Yeah. Um, and, you know, granted, I guess two of them do have haunting in the title, right? But yeah. Um, it is, it is gotten to the point where it's like, oh, this, the sort of sad, spooky Mike Flanagan show is out. Like it, mm-hmm. he's gotten enough recognition that I think people are, are wise enough to recognize that and, and go for that kind of stuff. Not, not have to worry about like the name recognition of the first successful thing, having sure. to carry all this stuff. So that's, that's cool. I like that, you know, uh, a director and in, in is able to sort of keep, uh, what they want to do in their, their sort of their, their product, as opposed to, you know, having to be like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll give you another thing, but you have to make it really obvious that it's the same <laughs> as the last one. Like that kind yeah. of, that, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and on a side, I actually do plan on watching Dr. Sleep, uh, as of this recording tomorrow. So by the time oh. it comes out, I will have seen it. Uh, so I'll, maybe I'll make a tweet and I'll tell you where you can find that tweet at the end of the show. Uh, but for now uh have you seen anything else kirk (laughs) yes uh i saw a movie called theater camp Um, Uh, right yeah you would you would see this well this was the whole point like i don't have a lot to say about this other than if you grew up doing theater (laughs) or, or in the performing arts this is something i would recommend you watch it's uh, made for people like us, <laughs> dare I say. Right. And uh, really, really funny. But yeah, if you grew up doing dancing or acting or whatever, or doing anything to do with theater, uh, you will get this. It's a really funny satire. It's shot in a uh, mockumentary kind of style, but really funny. And uh, this is basically just a recommendation more than a talking about what the movie is about, but it's as you can tell by the title, it is about a theater camp. So uh, you have all these adults who, you know, take what they do way too seriously. And so do the kids. And uh, it's just really, really funny. So <laughs> I would recommend. I I can very much relate to that. That sums up the entire experience. And, and part of why I, uh, I had a very uh, diminished interest after a certain point is because yeah. of those very factors. So I, yeah, I mean, I'm interested, but at the same time, it's like, am I going to have like war flashbacks? <laughs> PTSD back to, from, yeah. yeah. 2009 uh, or whatever. <laughs> like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I and mean, there's certainly aspects of it that were like, Oh my God, that is so like, I had that throughout the watching the movie. Right. Um, but I also laughed out loud many times as I was just watching it by myself. So, 
uh, <laughs> which I, you know, you don't always do when you're watching something alone. So, good right. movie. All right. Well, that's that's great. Um, I will take a moment to talk talk about such a uh, a not so great movie, if mm. I dare say. Um, I did a double feature recently with uh, my friend Skyler and Ray. Uh, we watched both Haunted Mansion films because. As you all know, there was a Haunted Mansion film starring Eddie Murphy in the early 2000s. I think 2003, so that, that's a, like an exact 20-year difference between Haunted Mansion films. Wow. Go yeah. figure. Um, and like that one, I don't think has a lot of love from critics or fans or anything of that sort. It very much is a Eddie Murphy family comedy driven with the money of early 2000s Disney. You know? like. Sure. They're they're doing pirates, you know. They they're living off that high of the Disney Renaissance still. Like they're ready to start pumping these things out, and then Haunted Mansion completely tanks in every sense, and um, you know we don't really get ride movies anymore. And when we do, they come out and they're bad. All the Tomorrowland or Jungle Cruise or any of that stuff. It's like yeah. pirates is the one thing that's ever worked for them, and even that they they ran into the ground. So Haunted Mansion. You know, they were like, you know, people love this 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 goddamn scary house that we have in Disneyland and Disney World. So let's try again. Because, <laughs> like, I guess unlike some of the other ones, there's a built-in sort of lore, you know, and there's a lot of different characters and aesthetics that you can just directly pull from. You know, like, it's amazing they did what they did with Pirates of the Caribbean because that's so, like, it's pirates. You know, you got to include the scene where you see the, the jail cell and the dog with the keys. That's about it. <laughs> That's yeah. all you really need to know. Um, but with Haunted Mansion, you know, you have the whole story of the, of the you know, the opening ride, of opening of the ride. You see the guy hanging himself and, you know, the, you see the, the stretching thing and then the, 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 the seance and the all the ghosts. And there's so many different ghosts and it's all wonderful and great. Rewatching the, the 2000s film, uh, I, I found it fairly entertainable purely just because it's like, well, I did grow up around those family-friendly Eddie Murphy films. You know, being a kid and watching stuff like Shrek and Daddy Daycare, like, that was big. So it's kind of sure. hard to sort of separate those things. He's got some funny lines. He's got some funny bits. It's not a particularly good film. I, it does not hold up past that. But for the nostalgia's sake, at least it has big, beautiful sets where they have a hey. big mansion. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and General Zod gets dragged to hell at the end of the film and oh i don't God. mean figured i mean literally a fire dragon comes out of a burning pit and drags him down to hell after he mentions hell and then the remaining ghosts go to heaven so like there's no debating it he goes to hell it, it's pretty amazing so good for good for terrence Stamp. <laughs> um but so there's a new film new haunted mansion came out this year nobody saw it <laughs> yeah. um, it stars a lot of people as these films often do some of them just walked off the sets for their stupid disney plus shows with the case of uh owen wilson and rosario dawson clearly uh so that's great uh they got danny devito because i'm you know i'm sure he was doing something in-house already and they called him over to 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 film that because it's danny devito he does disney work all the time and this is just a just a boring boring film um they make the mistake and this is the weirdest thing so like 
I don't know if, how much of Haunted Mansion stuff that you that you're familiar with, but like there's like the Hatbox Ghost is a popular character, okay. but only because like it's not a it's a thing that they they tried back in the day and it didn't work. It was an animatronic that failed, and so like it's grown this whole thing and like this whole mystery of like oh because it's it's just like a guy. And he has a hat box, which is funny because, like, who the fuck knows what a hat box is anymore? It's a box for, like, a top hat. And, like, oh, the effect right. was supposed to be, like, that he has, like, a face. And then the face would disappear and it would reappear in the hat box. Like, the, the box would light up. The unfortunate thing is is that they couldn't get the effect to work right. You would still see his, like, face. It wouldn't, like, it wasn't dark enough in the area that he was in. And so they scrapped it. And, like, that's the story. Um, over the years... He's gotten a bit of a reputation because it's like, oh, it's the ghost they removed. You know, like, oh, that's kind of mysterious. Oh, maybe it was too scary. Like, maybe that's why they removed it. No, it's just because the the, <laughs> the trick didn't work in a, you know, a very spectacular sort of showing of, of uh, special effects and everything in terms of, uh, you know, haunted houses at the time. Uh, so he's, he's got a reputation and he's like the villain of the movie as played by Jared Leto, which is like, that's a black mark of itself. Villain in life. You shouldn't have done that. And he's got like a cartoon face. So he's like a full CG character with a cartoon face and his voice is modulated. So you really could not tell that it's Jared Leto. Like they give the character a backstory so they can do whatever. And so there's like an old painting or a photo of Jared Leto with like, you know, mutton chops, like he's in the opening seat of Wolverine Origins. Um, but <laughs> other than that, like, there's no telling that it's Jared Leto. So it's like the people who came for Jared Leto are going to be disappointed. And then there will be plenty of people that didn't see it because Jared Leto was in it. So you completely, completely screwed yourselves over with all of that. Um and like I said, just nothing happens. It's a very, very boring film. It doesn't look particularly interesting. It doesn't necessarily add anything. Like, sure, they do slightly different stuff, but there's 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 good stuff that the last one did that this one doesn't in terms of it just having a fun, spooky vibe. Um, there's a there's a whole part where like there's like a little kid, Rosario Dawson has a kid, and he like has a bunch of action figures, and they're all like marvel legends and and whatnot oh my so that god was, that was really weird because <laughs> you know they, they could have just made fake action figures and they kind of yeah. do for a story plot point uh but uh yeah they they um they have them have a bunch of marvel figures and it's really distracting which is funny because like you would think like well if they were fake figures it'd be more distracting but because it's a disney thing and he has exclusively marvel action figures very very bizarre so i don't know i i could totally see people coming out of it and being like eh it was fine i guess i felt like it wasted my time it was like 30 minutes longer than the 2003 one so like mm. watching those back to back and seeing a nice sort of clean looking nicely detailed there's a whole part where they go into a a crypt and they fight skeletons in the in the original and it's all practical versus the new one where it's mostly digital, even when they shoot on location, it still has that weird depth of field where it looks fake, you know? Mm. Like, it's just so out of focus, the background, that you're like, are they in a green sky? I can't. And I'm assuming they do that to level everything out, right? Like, 
they make it look all the same. But because of that, it's like, well, what's the point of shooting anywhere? If your real locations look fake and your fake locations look the same as the real ones, then nothing is just going to feel real and it's all really lame. I, I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know. It just, it made me like irritable. It really did make me feel like I was wasting my time. So I would not recommend the new Haunted Mansion. I think it's boring. I do not think it's it's kind of like funny bad. Um, I think there was like a line that I laughed at, but I don't really remember it now. Um, so there's that. I guess that's what it has going for it. It has wow. a funny line if you can remember it. Very good. So that's that. Sorry. Sorry, Disney. Maybe in 20 years you'll make another Haunted Mansion movie and uh, it'll maybe be watchable. I don't know. Maybe. At this rate, there's, there's no telling. This was a movie that came out like a, over a month later in Australia than it did in America. And uh, I remember when it finally, when it came out, I was like, oh, Haunted Mansion, that was forever ago. And then I looked and it was literally only a month. But that movie <laughs> just came and went so quickly without there being any discussion that it felt longer ago than it actually was. Um, but yeah, and it also came out like right at the beginning of the, the strike so like the premiere yeah. they brought out like costume characters from the parks yeah because they didn't have any way to promote the like the red carpet premiere so that was that was something and it released in yeah like july late july like right after oppenheimer and, and barbie and everything and then i guess they released that so that it could be on disney plus by by now by october well that's what i was going to bring up it, it is an interesting strategy by disney um because there are still I, th- I think I looked it up. There's one session that I could possibly get to, uh, like that <laughs> I could still see Haunted Mansion, but it is now on Disney Plus in time for Halloween, and uh, yeah, is that what they did? They just put it out there, hoping it might make some money, but w- it will at least, you know, get a lot of buzz on uh, streaming come Halloween time. Backwards, but interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and and like sh- other companies pr- put out spooky movies all year round anyway. So it's like it's not a new thing, but it feels very calculated of like oh it's got to be on our streaming service by then. Yeah. So people will watch that. It's I don't know. Well, very very bizarre situation. Like that movie Cobweb, which I I did also watch and I quite enjoyed, mm-hmm. but it was released the same day as Barbie and Oppenheimer. But it was also released on digital like a week later or something like that. Like it was really, really quick. So it's not yeah, like that no was... that was planned to do for a spooky time. Like, you know, like, like, cause like Saw just came out, right? Right. And like, yeah. you could still see Saw right now. Yes. Even though it came out in late September, that's enough time to still see it during October if you feel the need to see a spooky film. But yeah, like you said, with Cobweb, it's like, no, there was no game to play. It's just going to release here and then be on digital, and, and that's just the movie releasing. This yeah. one feels like it was planned. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Maybe because it's by Disney, so it has like that inherently evil <laughs> scheming quality to it. <laughs> yeah, it has that that gross... Yeah, exactly. I remember with the first Haunted Mansion, I did watch it, but uh, my family was given a DVD player for the first time as a gift, circa 2004, I guess. Um mm. And uh, with that, uh, we were given a bunch of movies that I'm like 99% sure were just rips, DVD rips. Um, (laughs) That was a lot more common back then, I guess. And uh, there was a few there. One was Van Helsing. I do remember that. Classic. 
One was Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. <laughs> um, and uh, another one was Haunted Mansion. And another was the first Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's funny that you mention that. That I, I It never even occurred to me that Disney put out two movies based on their theme park attractions in the same year. Because the first Pirates is also 2003. So... I'm pretty sure. Should I look that up before I make that claim? I mean, you've already said it now. You might as well. Yes, it is. 2003. Look at me. They did that twice, and one of them was successful. Who knew that Pirates was going to be successful? But Yeah. uh, I guess my next movie that I'll talk about is also a, uh, a spooky season movie, but it also did not come out in the spooky season. Uh, this is Talk To Me. Uh, which is also an A24 movie, Mm. and was the only film I saw in cinemas in August. It was a very dry month, it felt like. I guess nobody predicted how huge (laughs) Barbie and Oppenheimer was going to be, but yet it feels like studios did predict that because they didn't release anything in August, basically. Um, I guess Haunted Was it a a dry month, would you say? Or a, a dry two month? Oh, well, it was a dry two month. The dry two uh, which then got pushed back. So uh, maybe that's why it was a dry month, because everything else got pushed back. <laughs> yeah, that's why. There you go. But yeah, this is a... Talk to, there's some, some hometown hero-ness to this, right? This is yeah, a, an Australian-bred film. Written and directed by the Philippou brothers, uh, who I think are known as Raka Raka on YouTube. Their videos weren't really my style, but uh, they did do these really impressive like fight scene videos where... The fight choreography was good. The camera work was good. The makeup and effects were really good. And it makes sense that guys like that would actually go on to make a real movie released by A24 uh, because they knew what they were doing and they were just making stuff because they had an outlet for it. Uh, So the fact that they've graduated to making a real motion picture is really impressive and uh, it's pretty neat to see them make that jump. And uh, That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it's a very creepy movie, really unique, and uh, I know it's gotten a lot of buzz from a lot of people, and uh, yeah, I don't know what else to really say about it other than that it's just a a creepy, unique movie, so I would definitely recommend it. I (laughs) believe it's out there for everyone to watch now, and uh, the fact that it got like real praise from people like Guillermo del Toro and Edgar Wright and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's neat to see... Uh, yeah, the, the Australian film industry is a dark horse, you know, like we don't make a lot of stuff and uh, I'm not the most patriotic person in the world, but I definitely care about our industry and the fact that we made something that got some uh, some worldwide recognition in a genre that is already a bit of a niche to, to the wide market, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty neat. So uh, check out Talk To Me, weird little demonic possession kind of movie, I guess is what you'd call it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's good stuff. All right. Well, make sure to, to watch their work, people, before they get picked up to make Doctor Strange 3. Uh, <laughs> get them while you, know, you can. That's a good point, because I did think about that. I was like, okay, they've made this thing. Who's Like, Marvel, especially with horror directors, love picking them up and, and getting them to do something mm-hmm. else. Like, what would they make? Like, would they make something like a Doctor Strange, where at least the, the idea is that they want to do something a little weird and maybe a little horror-ish? Or do they give them Captain Marvel 3? You know, like, do they give them something that's not really in their wheelhouse 
based on the work that they've made. Um, well, I was also sort of thinking of like the YouTube connection. David F. Sandberg obviously was, sure. a, you know, a YouTube a YouTube sort of horror short guy, and then he made that into a feature, and then he got an Annabelle film, and then <laughs> yep. boom, Shazam! So it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe James Gunn will swoop them up, and they'll they'll make. Uh, the the plastic man film who knows mm. <laughs> you know that interests me way more than uh, anything marvel would give them oh sure yeah, i mean you're right like giving david f sandberg shazam if i had if i was familiar with his work at the time i probably would have been like what that doesn't make any sense um <laughs> and then you see the movie and the you know you got the scenes with the uh the the deadly sin monsters and it's like okay those scenes are a little those have some creepiness and some scariness to them, um, but it's interesting to uh, to give someone like that a concept like Shazam, a, a director that predominantly makes like horror shorts. Right, horror and superhero stuff goes hand in hand. You know, obviously mm-hmm. Scott Derrickson, Sam Raimi. We just talked yeah. about Guillermo del Toro. You know, he's had his handful of uh, comic book projects and. Once again, unmade uh, comic book project. So <laughs> yeah, plenty. Uh, that's another connection I forgot to mention. He was supposed to make Haunted Mansion. Disney announced that at Comic Con one year. Goddamn, oh, Guillermo yeah. del Toro stepped out on stage, and that didn't get made. But um, yeah, uh, but yeah, like yeah, horror directors they they fit well within the comic book world sometimes. So uh, just saying, these guys they made a really good smaller budget film from A twenty four, a company that people really love. Next thing you know, they're they're making a Disney Plus show that gets canceled before it releases. <laughs> so, you know, high hopes for them. On the the note of Guillermo del Toro walking out on stage at Comic Con, uh, my my parents uh, at their place were going through some of uh, me and my siblings' old DVDs and that that you know you just accumulate these things if you don't continue collecting that specific thing. My Blu-ray collection that I sometimes post about is purely Blu-rays. So any of my childhood dvds aren't part of the collection that's that's not the purpose of the collection but uh (laughs) they were going through a bunch of these and a lot of my sister's ones are there and there's step up and she's the man and like a bunch of these star a young early career channing tatum and Mm -hmm. uh i think my dad said to me like i'm surprised he's never played a superhero come to think of it and i was like well (laughs) He was Gambit for the longest time, and uh, it never got made. But <laughs> to the point where, like, Fox did their their big panel with, uh, I think it was Logan, X Men Apocalypse, and Deadpool, and maybe Fantastic Four were all mm-hmm. like part of this. And uh, yeah, because that's where Logan was announced. So it, yes. it wasn't even they didn't show anything or nothing. They were just like, oh yeah, old man Logan, it's happening, like that kind of vibe. So it was the year before, so it'd been 2015 before Deadpool, yeah, and, uh, Apocalypse and all that. Yeah, and uh, I remember they they called Channing Tatum out on stage to take a selfie with uh, all of these actors, and yeah, that was that was the closest we got to. Uh, to the Gambit movie being real. But it was like, it was real casting. It wasn't one of those fan things. He was there on yeah. stage at Comic-Con with all the actors. Crazy. We've, we've got storyboards of that movie. Let's, yeah. Let's, they've, they've like 
whoever's forgot about the that. film has released the storyboards. So like, yeah. it's not a lot. It's it's really kind of is just <laughs> like drawings of Channing Tatum on like a farm or something with the glowing eyes. Mm. It's not like it's a, a detailed fight with him and Omega Red or some shit. But uh, yeah, yeah, like there's it's out there. He's he's got to show up in Deadpool three. Right, like from that's a everything good that point. we've seen about that movie and all the rumors, like this would be the time to do it. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that would show up for like a, a gag, you know. He's he's yeah. done it before. He's so, done like, that. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I guess he he kind of showed up in Logan uh, in the form of there's a drawing of Gambit <laughs> on the front of one of the X Men comics that X twenty three has. And uh, it, we've always said it's like this big, bulky-looking gambit, and we're like, oh, that's definitely Channing Tatum. So we we definitely subscribe to the theory that it go go watch Logan, and yeah, look at the um the like the little Marvel head that they would put on the comic covers, and mm-hmm. tell me that's not Channing Tatum as Gambit. He's so thick-headed, and he's smiling. <laughs> yeah, that's of course him. That's that really is. Uh, well, uh, th- I want to stick in the superhero realm for just a second. Oh boy! Uh, before we get into the main event. This is something we don't normally talk about on the show because it's a it's an audio podcast. But I got something recently, and I want to briefly mention it because we're Batman fans, and we haven't talked oh. too much Batman on the pod just yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so McFarland Toys, you either you, you know them, you love them or hate them, whatever. They released a big multi movie Batman pack. Uh, it's sort of like a Warner Brothers 100. It's got the Warner Brothers 100 logo on it, which is kind of funny. I like I have a, a box here for figures that has the Warner Brothers like a big anniversary logo. <laughs> That's a little silly. Yeah. Uh, but it's a it's a box set with six different Batman figures to represent the the actors that have played Batman, not counting Adam West. Because I don't think they have the rights to make Adam West figures in the scale that they do the other ones. But it's a it's an eighty nine Keaton. It's a Forever Kilmer. Um, it's a Clooney from and Robin, I guess is what you would call that movie. Uh, a Dark Knight, Bale, a Affleck Batman, which I'll get into, mm. and a uh, Pattinson, uh, the Batman figure. And uh, I obviously I had gotten this. I don't know if you had planned on on getting it. Uh, obviously, I'd, I'd talked to you about it for a bit, but I just wanted to say I think it's a really really cool set. Um, I don't think every figure is like perfect, but they're all better versions of the figures that are out there right now. Um, I'm one of those people because these all come with like cloth capes. I'm always kind of particular on cloth capes. Mm-hmm. I think they can be really good. They can, you know, not be so cumbersome and uh, stiff as like a, a regular plastic cape that a lot of standard figures will come with. However, I'm also an aesthetics person. And personally speaking, the only kind of cloth cape that would look good on a Batman figure is if it came with a Nolan era yeah. you know, Christian Bale Batman. Um, which, to be fair, I have, you know, his it's him in his Dark Knight suit, and it comes with a cloth cape, and it looks great. So okay. it's, it's got that going for it, which I, which I appreciated. Um, but the, the real standout stars, if you're planning on getting a set, anyone, the Kilmer and the Clooney, in terms of face sculpts, they're the most accurate looking out of the bunch. And just in terms of the suits, they look stellar. Like, they're great. I, I know they're they're releasing a Clooney pretty soon. It's in a sort of Mr. Freeze build-a-wave with Batman, Robin, Batgirl, and Poison Ivy. Shame there won't be a Bane to just sort of complete 
the set, but yeah, I understand. It's the, those those are the main ones you would want to do. Um, that one comes with a hard cape. This one had a cloth cape. And judging by the figure, because a lot of the the hard sort of sculpted capes have pegs in them that peg into the back to you know keep it a bit more secure, the Kilmer one has a peg hole. So they're probably going to release that on a single card at some point with a more traditional plastic uh, cape on him. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a little disappointing because like the one in the set is the sonar suit, which looks gorgeous. It has like a pearlescent sort of blue color to it. Um, but if that just means that in the single carded, they're going to just release the sonar suit again. It means we won't get the Panther suit. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> well, I would like both. And I, I know Mattel did one years ago, but like, I would also like that suit, please. But I would also like the begin suit. And they're, they're, they haven't done that. They haven't done the return suit either. Um, they haven't even done a BVS suit. Um, and that's a, a, a theory with this set because it's the Justice League suit, the sort of tactical <laughs> Justice League suit. Um, and the difference between this one is that it has a new head sculpt that doesn't have the goggles on it. Uh, one thing, uh, I don't remember him not having the goggles in the Snyder Cut. I've only watched the Snyder Cut once, uh, so I don't really remember it too well. But I don't remember him not having it. But in my brain, when I think of him not having it, I think of him in the Whedon Cut saying, I don't not like you when he says that to Superman. So... I don't know if that means I have a weed in Batman. It's funny to me because I don't really care about the Snyder verse or any of that stuff. So like, that's a good ha ha. Um, mm-hmm. But the other thing about it is that they all come with like little cards where it's like art renditions of the suits. And the art card is the BVS suit. Of course. So that makes me believe that they were going to release a BVS Batman since that's more of his like iconic suit, but they probably ran out of budget making new bodies for, Kilmer and and Clooney, <laughs> so they just threw in the Justice League one, but they all look good. I do recommend it. I don't know if it's still available anywhere. I ordered mine months ago when they announced it, uh, uh, so there, there's that. But yeah, I, I, it is a really cool, cool set, and it's a perfect way to just get all the movie Batman's. So that way you just you just have them, and you don't. There's no hassle. That's true. Um, I guess for my perspective, I was being a, a batman collector i guess i was just going to wait because i i have uh i know they've fixed the eye problem the eye painting problem on pattinson but i was like i got a mm-hmm. i got a pattinson that i like i did get the bale one um there are other uh keaton ones i can get if i want him i would really only be getting it for uh kilmer and clooney and they're definitely releasing a clooney so i can just hope that they'll release a kilmer or maybe i can just buy him you know, for way too much on eBay at some point alone. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear that it's a it's a good set and that the the two uh, Schumacher ones are, are so good. Um, and it's funny, like with the I pointed out to you with the the whole Affleck thing. Like on the front of the box, it has the logos representing the movies that everyone is from. So mm-hmm. like you got the '89 symbol for Batman Forever. You've got the bat symbol inside of the question mark, which is kind of funny. Um, and then the, the Batman and Robin logo, the Dark Knight logo. For Pattinson, it says the Batman in giant letters, which is not a bat symbol, but that's fine. The movie logo, yeah. Yeah, but then for Affleck, it's got 
basically the BVS logo without the Superman symbol in it. Yeah. That's not a logo from any movie. That's like he never got his own movie. So it, had they put <laughs> Justice League, then it would have been the theatrical cut Justice League, which would have created controversy. So yeah, it's just, it's a big thing. Can you believe we're still talking about this Snyder Cut stuff? Um, yeah, it's pretty wild that like you go online and there's still people talking about like the the Snyder Cut and the the, the DCEU and and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I I've talked about it before, but like <laughs> I really hope Superman Legacy is good, just because like I know if it's not good, and granted people will still say shit even if it is good. It could be the mm-hmm. best Superman movie ever, and people will say whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, if this new universe gets off on the wrong foot with, like, a, a bad film, like, I'm done, you know? Like, I'm just, I can't do it anymore. I just, I just can't. <laughs> and you and I are both pretty casual about it, where it's like, I don't, I'm, I'm not, like, invested. It's not like, oh, these movies have to be good, blah, blah, blah. Like, they're superhero films. If they're entertaining, they're entertaining. Uh, but there's just always so much talk and almost like obviously because there's all this like oh that when does the universe start oh and he says this but then this happens and blah 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 like what's in continuity well who's coming back you know there's all that drama about it and and so if the if this ends up all being for naught it's just going to be so exhausting and you know, i've said it before and and sort of off the record um it's it's like just just go back to making batman movies just stop all this other stuff you know you you make batman and then you pluck out like random sort of characters like like when they made constantine you know it's like you just sort of make a character you don't have to worry about it if people are or like is that a dc character like don't make green arrow don't make doom patrol don't make uh you know whatever vixen the movie don't bother (laughs) just just make batman and uh history of violence and then call it a day that's that's all we're doing we're done well i mean there was a time right where they were again this is going down a total different rabbit hole that i wasn't expecting but um there was a time yeah it was like constantine and v for vendetta and watchmen and like these really off the wall ones um where it's like oh they're not going for wonder woman and green lantern and like you know aquaman like these really big DC hero ones first, they're going for these, uh, I guess, really serious, like, adult, you know, ones. So yeah, yeah. I would be fine if they just went to one a year. Just, like, put your money into yeah, one yeah. and just see if that works. And if that works, then you can make a sequel to it. Don't worry about doing a big universe around, you know, say Superman lives... No, what's it called? Superman... <laughs> Shit. What's it called? It's not called Superman shit. Superman Legacy. <laughs> Superman Legacy. Yeah, anyway. It's fine. Do you do you want to... Well, I guess we're still talking about this. And we got time. Uh, did you... Uh, Matthew Vaughn was talking about stuff about how he was, like, pitching some, some ideas beforehand. And I swear we already knew this. I swear he talked about this years ago. Am I wrong? Like... Matthew Vaughn talked about his pitch for a Superman trilogy with him and Mark Millar before Man of Steel. And, like, he was given details, and I was like, I swear I've heard this before. Like, something's familiar. Um, So I'm pretty sure he said this before, but it it made the rounds because he was talking Mm. about, I guess, for Argyle? 
I don't know. Um, mm. Yeah, I don't know. We're, we're not really Matthew Vaughn fans. Um, but he was, he was talking <laughs> about his, his pitch for Superman was like, Superman does all the Superman stuff, but Krypton doesn't explode. Like, Jarrell was right, but he had the numbers off, essentially. And so, like, when it does explode, eventually, that's what gets all the Kryptonians to Earth and Zod and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, people were really offended by this idea. Like, oh. I saw people talking about how, like, this is, like, the worst idea ever. I don't know if they, like, misinterpreted the the concept. To me, it's like, if you were to ask me, of like, all right, start a Superman story, you know, go from beginning to end, pitch us an idea... I don't think I would go for that. But, like, at the same time, I don't see how this is, like, a horrible idea, you know? <laughs> like, like, there's always been the problem of, like, the last set of Krypton, right? Where there was a point in time where DC, back when, like, Christ on Infinite Earths happened, they were like, there's too many Kryptonians. Let's let's make him the last son again because this is stupid. There's too yes. many these stupid characters. It's like people around. surviving <laughs> Order 66. Like, way too many Kryptonians survived the yeah. explosion of Krypton. Yeah. yeah, it's like it turns out the thing was a failure. Who cares? There's a whole city of these people. What, yeah. Why even bother? Um, so it's like there's that there's that aspect of it of like, okay, is he the last son or not? But like, if you're gonna have it that people survive anyway, like, what's the difference of them coming up years later? Like, you still have him show up as a baby, not know where he comes from, you know, learn about his heritage years later. Like, I, I. People, like I said, it, I'm only talking about this because people had such visceral reactions to it. And I was like, is it really that? Like, once again, I wouldn't do it. But, like, what's the big deal here? I don't know. <laughs> it's like they betrayed <laughs> the idea of Superman. Meanwhile, it's like, I've seen plenty of movies that have already done that. This is doesn't sound that bad in terms of the grand scheme of things. I don't know. But I just, I found it funny because, like I said, we're not big Matthew Vaughn guys. So he's kind of a fan favorite for people. So to see a bunch of people talk about how stupid he was, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> what happened? I don't remember ever reading the details of his movie, but I was aware that it was a thing. Um, it doesn't shock me that he would try and do something that like turns the mythology on its head because that's the kind of thing that he does. What I did find funny because he was also going to direct X-Men 3 at one point. I'm pretty sure he was responsible oh God. for casting Kelsey Grammer as Beast, for example. Like, he was that deep into production. Um, and, uh, yeah, th th he said that Fox had a script that, like, the movie opened or something like that on Storm saving uh, Africa, basically. <laughs> and the entire continent. <laughs> yeah, and then it was uh, he was like, what is this scene? And they're like, oh, that's just Hallie's script. We give that to her so that she can sign on for the movie or something like that. Um, but then yeah, you know, she hadn't we'll, signed on, so they yeah. were gonna like give her a script that would entice her to be like, "Ooh, sign on to this X Men movie," and then remove that scene once she said yes. Which obviously, that scene is not in the movie. Um, I yikes! That I mean, that's a bad one. So that's evil. Yeah, that's really bad. And what kind of surprises me is. Uh, I recently watched Die Another Day, which stars Halle Berry, and I hadn't seen that movie in a very long time. I'd really only seen it once, and she is so bad in that movie, and this came out like a year after, or maybe in, within the same year that she had won an Academy Award, and like then between X-Men 2 and X-Men 3, Catwoman comes out, and I'm just kind of like, why was Halle Berry given 
Like, why? how was she a star? Like, obviously, you know, beautiful woman and everything, but, like, why was she a star? Because she is so bad in Catwoman. She's so bad in Die Another Day. Like, and in the first X-Men movie, she's barely present, to be fair. Um, her accent's terrible, but she's really not in the movie very much. And then in X-Men 2, she gets a little bit more to do, but she's more of a star, so they put her more prominently on the poster and everything, and she doesn't have an accent. But... By X-Men 3, the posters say Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, X-Men The Last Stand. So it's like she's equal billing, equal top billing. And it's like, why? It's Halle Berry. Like, why do we like Halle Berry? She's in all this crap. But anyway, just wanted to bring that up. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't don't know. You know? And and she still holds a lot of that power. Because now people look back on her. It's like, oh, Halle Berry's an icon. And it's like, I haven't seen her in anything that I thought was good. In terms of her performance, I, I should also mention before we move on to our main events, we do have a real movie to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, an actual movie made by an actual funny little filmmaker. Um, <laughs> I would be remiss because I got a, a message here that I just saw yeah. from a while back when I was talking about the haunted mansion. Um, remember when I was talking about that a few minutes ago? This movie is just product placement, like like Ghostbusters twenty sixteen levels of product placement oh no it is ridiculous i i think there's even a like a disclaimer you know how they put like the the, the sort of warnings of like contains tobacco violence sex scenes like, yeah yeah sex in product placement um it's it's bizarre i don't even remember what there's like a whole bit where it's like our, our our main guy. What's the the actor's name from Judas and the Black Messiah? What's uh, the Daniel Kaluuya? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> I knew he wasn't in the movie. Like <laughs> he's Stanfield. Yes, uh, that's his name. So like he's like a guy who is sad. He used to be like a, I'm explaining the movie now. Finally, ladies and gentlemen, he's like a guy who um, believed in ghosts. He lives in New Orleans. He believed in ghosts, but now he's like a sad guy that doesn't believe in ghosts. And it's because his wife died or something. Um, And like, he's describing the scene and apparently she, what did she want? She like, (laughs) she went to go get like ice cream or something. And then on the way stopped for like drive through. Um, Oh, she wanted Tate. She wanted tater tots. And then like on the way, she wanted on the way back or on the way there, she stopped to get Baskin Robbins. But like they specifically say Baskin Robbins, you know, like to, to drive home. It's like, you know, cause like if you were just talking, you'd say ice cream, right? Sure. But they say Baskin Robbins. She got into like a car accident or something. I don't really care about that part. It's just this whole thing about like Baskin Robbins. And then later they bring up like Burger King. Because it's like, oh, tater tots. She went to go get tater tots. Tater tots are like a sign. Um, so, oh, are you eating tater tots? Like, no, these are jalapeno poppers from Burger King. Like, it, it's so blatant and it's so weird. I already talked about the Marvel Legends thing earlier. So there's that aspect of it. But I want to thank Ray for reminding me because I totally <laughs> forgot about it. I blocked that part of my mind. But, I mean, it's egregious in terms of, you know, because people complain about product placement right they complain about like man of steel and how there's like an ihop and a sears and i've never had a problem with that because those are just locations those are know? just locations that exist in real life there's it's not superman never says like ah yes i can go to sears to pick up my 
uh, waffle iron. I don't know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He doesn't crash into a Warner Brothers store, you know, and starts throwing yeah. like the 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 hello my baby like a plush of the frog at that like Ursa or something. <laughs> no, that's Shazam. <laughs> yeah, that was a different movie. Uh, <laughs> so like, this was just very bad. It's another it's another thing about that Haunted Mansion movie that's so so bad. And I, I want to get that out of my system before we talk about like I said, a real movie. Well, I, I think just quickly before we get onto that real movie, I, what you've said has kind of... Uh, We're never talking about it. What? We're never talking about the movie at this point. N- no. Uh, sorry, Marty. McDonald's, because we never talked about this on the pod, and this is one of the most confusing things of the year to me in terms of pop culture. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This McDonald's campaign that they started, which was really a campaign for Loki Season 2, yes. but it, it was uh, McDonald's has appeared in movies and shows and music videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, they included, you know, really obvious ones. Uh, and then, like, you know, ones that didn't make any sense. Like, you would buy McDonald's in terms of, you know, not just on these commercials, but you would buy McDonald's and on the, the fries box, it would say, McDonald's French fries box, as appeared in a Run DMC music video. Uh, Fallen Angels, the Wong Kar Wai movie, which is like, oh, okay, great. Really, really weird stuff. And, like, in the commercials, I don't think they ever showed Pulp Fiction with the Royale with cheese, but they would show the scene from, uh, from Paris with Love. Is that what it's called? Um, the John Travolta, Luc Besson movie. Um, him referencing his bit, yeah. Him referencing his scene from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. They- Just a really weird campaign. There they was... show the coming to America bit, which is the whole joke is that someone opened up a McDonald's like store and called it McDowell's. So yeah, it's not even McDonald's technically. So it's not even in the, the film, you idiot. Uh, and then the, the cup, the cup says it's seen in these things, but it's the plastic cup. McDonald's used to have paper cups. Now they have mm. class, plastic see-through cups. So when you say the cup as seen in, and I haven't seen it in any film. Because the, what I imagine is that white cup with the, the arches on it. So you, you messed up there, hmm. McDonald's. <laughs> they also said, like, as seen in The Office, US. But, like, we don't actually ever see anything in The Office. What we do, like, the, the scene that they included in the commercial mm. was uh, all the filet fishes that Michael had eaten. And uh, Michael saying like that was all that wasn't all in one day, Ryan, and that's where they cut it because then Ryan says still like with disgust <laughs> that he's eaten this much McDonald's, yeah, which they yeah. don't include in the commercial, obviously. So it's like, yeah, they they cut out the punchline that makes fun of that gross, gross restaurant. <laughs> they don't include Batman Forever. Yeah, come on. Not only do the golden arches appear in the movie, but the I'll get drive through line was purely because they had a partnership to release a bunch of stuff through McDonald's. So For for many people, those glasses are the most positive experience they have with that film, you know? Like, yes. It's a big deal for a lot of people. It makes a lot of sense to put Batman Forever in there, but no, can't put the Schumacher Batman films in anything except this beautiful box set that I got from McFarlane Toys. Uh, now available, except it's not because it's out of stock everywhere. So sorry about that. I guess they didn't include McDonald's because it was a promo. Sorry, they didn't include Batman Forever because it was a promo for Loki. So maybe that was why. That's stupid. 
Uh, do have you have you heard the the grimace shake like conspiracy regarding like when it came out and everything? Oh no, I remember the grimace shake meme, but well, yeah, no, it had a big controversy. Meme. Which that might be a a, a psyop now that I, th- I think about it because it came out in June um, to mm-hmm. celebrate Grimace's birthday, and like I don't think it was like a a particular birthday that you would normally celebrate. Because let me see how. Let's see how old is Grimace. He's fifty-two years old, so oh. like this is fifty-second birthday. That seems a little odd. He's not from the DC universe. That number's not important to him. Jesus, yeah. And yeah, don't think he was made in in June either. So the the thought process is is that McDonald's had a pride themed shake planned. For, for June, because obviously mm. that would have been when it was coming out. However, and like, who knows? But however, do you remember all the, the stuff that happened with like Bud Light when they gave a trans person free beer? It's not even like they were in a commercial or had like an ad campaign. It was just like sent them free merch, essentially, and they drank it on tiktok or something i don't like that's all it was i thought they were a new spokesperson or whatever turns out it was just like a tiktok and remember the reaction to that yeah like it was so like evil yeah and messed up that you had like idiots going to walmart's and like smashing the wrong beer they were like smashing coors because they forgot which one was the right one i guess (laughs) um so like idiots they did they you know they filmed commercials and they did a bunch of stuff so it's like how fast could they have li- like logically have gotten that done realistically when could they have gotten all this prepared who knows but it is a bit odd just out of nowhere they decided to do a grimace birthday thing and what would have been a uh, pride and said replacing it with a big purple cartoon character now granted I'm a big fan of grimace I love his work you know I don't think he uh meant to work with Donald Trump that one time. I think, you know, he regrets it if you were to ask him. Um, and the shake was pretty good. Uh, I, the best way I can describe it is it's like the taste of, like, milk from cereal. Like, if you were to eat, like, a fruity cereal and then drink the milk, it had that sort of, like, berry flavor to it. So it was pretty good. But since we were talking about McDonald's, I didn't know if anyone else... I don't, I'm not saying I subscribe to the theory myself. I just say it's interesting, you know? Who knows? It is interesting, yeah. I uh, I did not have a Grimace shake. I don't think we had them out here. Maybe if any Australian is listening, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think we did. I don't know. I don't really... I don't know. But, uh, yeah, this whole campaign, which came across to me like a campaign that they might do for the Super Bowl, all the movies and TV shows you'd remember us from, it's like, but you're McDonald's. Like you're like you don't need to. You know what I mean? Like, look, why is that important? That you're in a bunch of TV shows and stuff. I don't need to remember McDonald's. Yeah, you're McDonald's, and you're so much more famous than so many of the movies and shows and that that you're priding yourself on having been in. So weird. I just don't get it. No, you're right. It is weird. I I agree. I don't know. It's it's a little try hard and it's a little too blatantly. A show, an ad for a show I'm not even watching. So, yeah, good job, McDonald's. <laughs> Didn't work on me. 
I'm not watching Loki season two. You you can't you can't trick me. I even saw someone today was like, oh, season three wasn't as great as the previous two seasons, but hey, this might be someone that listens to the show. I don't remember. I'm not trying to make you sound dumb. I'm just pointing wow. out that like it's following the same trend as everything else right now. Uh, that it's like these shows they have a pretty decent start and then they peter out and everyone forgets about them until the next one. So. I've seen the evidence out there. I apologize if I accidentally was doing a dumb voice. It was just me putting a tweet voice. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I really screwed Now I'm McDonald's. Oh, no. Well, on that note, uh, Kills of the Flower Moon was pretty good. Anthony, where can people find you on Twitter? Well, Kirk, you can find me. Uh, how long do you want to take? Do we have... <laughs> how far do we want to take this bit? Uh, yeah, let's, just, let's, let's actually talk about the movie. Okay. What do you have to say about it? Yeah, it was good. It was good. It was long. And I guess this is going to be the main thing that everyone is going to debate about. Let's talk about our theater experiences. Let's not talk about okay. the movie. Because um, we both experienced hell, apparently. Uh, fuck this. So, like, yeah. Uh, the Taylor Swift concert is in theaters now. Um, so it was kind of funny going to this. It was like Barbenheimer Part 2. Except <laughs> a little bit. Weren't, yeah. people weren't going to the second part of the... <laughs> The, the name there they were just going to the first one <laughs> just um, the one yeah 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 a, a little bit uh so going into this movie um i wasn't expecting a huge crowd for it because it's it's a it's a three and a half hour long film about you know if you if you don't know you're not going to know it's like huh what old-timey western native american movie what is this about i don't really understand but it's it's long, it's dry at times, and I had people come in, and like, before the movie starts, like before the movie starts and all the trailers start, I think, there's a man watching a baseball game on his phone, um, and that was great. He's like watching it, checking the scores and everything, and Ray was like, look at this guy, and then he puts down his phone, and then we get this this uh, ad in front of, uh, for Cinemark, where it's like, don't miss the big moment and it's like people reacting while opera music plays and then like <laughs> a guy comes in with like his drink and popcorn and everyone's like cheering and hooting and hollering and his friend's like can you believe that and he's like no because he missed the moment it's like don't miss the big moment order your, your drinks and shit early which is like what did what happened the, 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 like they're cheering like it's the end like captain america picked up the hammer but it's like He's, he walked in with his drinks and popcorn. Like, at what point? Like, was it the beginning of the film? That doesn't make any sense to me. But, like, it plays opera music. So the man puts down his phone, and he starts doing, like, conductor hands. Um, and so Ray and I are, like, watching this guy because he keeps doing it. And then he puts it down. And then later he checks his phone again for, like, baseball. <laughs> what, is, what is happening? And then three dumb bitches sit in the row in front of us and like i don't know their ages okay they weren't children i wouldn't call them bitches if they were children but if i had to guess it looked like in the shadows of which i was seeing this experience like a mom and maybe her two teenage daughters perhaps and i kid you not multiple times during this this movie all three of them were on their phones and it's not like just like, oh, let me check. I got a notification. Let me check that on. Like, no, one of them was just like casually going through Snapchat or TikTok or Instagram or something, like going through the messages and, and talking to somebody. And, you know, for, I guess, like in their defense, but fuck, 
fuck their defense. Like, their brightness was low. They had it on night mode. It wasn't, like, glaring. But it was on. And I was like, unbelievable. This is this is crazy. And then, like, people in front of them were on their phones. And then, like, down the road, there was people on their phones. And I just, like, if you aren't here to watch the movie, leave. What are you doing paying ticket for a three and a half hour long movie and not watching it? Just get out. It's clearly not interesting you. Just leave. And so, yeah, I you would message me about how you walked into the theater. You're like, I think I'm the only one here. And I was like, I'm jealous of you. But unfortunately, mm. it seems like the gods were not smiling down upon you either. You were also, you know, damned in some shape or form. Yeah, I, I don't think I was quite as damned as you. But it was, yeah, I, I walked in. Uh, I was at a gold class uh, session. So... Um, where you can get service during the film and, and whatever, and they're smaller theaters. So I uh, I was there to print off my ticket or whatever, and I think I was I was just getting a drink, and he goes, you're in uh, C5? And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, how did you know that? And it was like, I walked in, and I'm like, oh, it's because I'm the only one here. Okay, cool. And I was getting excited to come onto the pod and be like, I got to see this in a cinema all by myself. Not quite what happened. Um, then <laughs> I hear a couple of other people walk in, and they're sitting a couple of rows behind me. Uh, I hear some other people walk in. There are a couple of rows to my right. Um, another person maybe just like the row behind me to my right. And then uh, a couple of people to, to my left, a, a little further down. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people in here, which I'm, I'm fine with. Like, I'm happy that there are people seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. Then there came a point where... I heard like, and it's like, sounds like, sounds like someone, like a voice coming through someone's phone. And sure enough, someone answered a call during the movie and like got up. Now they did leave the theater, but they answered it while in the theater. Not like, Hey, I'm in a movie. Give me a second. And then like left, like the conversation was just happening as they were leaving. And, but like, it went on for like, you know, 30 seconds or something of me hearing very clearly someone talking through a phone. And I was like, that was okay. And I started thinking about like, okay, this is kind of like what you experienced. I'm glad I'm part of this. And then someone else at one point answered a call, but they just walked to the back of the theater and like spoke (laughs) on the phone. What? They did not leave. Or if they left, they left and had the door open. But, I mean, I could hear this conversation happening. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Now, those are the only two things. But I just thought it was strange because I don't normally experience that. I do experience people being on their phones. Nowhere near as, like, not really people scrolling through Twitter or Snapchat or whatever. But, like, I, I have seen plenty of people just like take out their phones and like start answering texts and that which is annoying but you know whatever but to have two people answer the phone during the movie i know it's a long movie but yeah that was uh that was crazy so yeah i'm glad we talked about that because how is it 2023 and people still answer the phone like there is a ad campaign from telstra which are a big phone provider company here they pay for advertising, I think, before, like, you know, the screening of every movie uh, in the country where it'll be like a fake commercial for, or like, a fake trailer where it'll say, like, 
Turn off your phone presents. Turn off your phone or whatever. I, I maybe I'll. I don't know if I can. I can't link like the the, the commercial to anyone because I don't think it shows anywhere but in cinemas. But it's like really bombastic and over the top. It should be common knowledge to turn off your phone in a theater or a cinema. But anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, here it's Amazon. Amazon does the ads right. for turning off your phone. Um, they usually intersplice like footage of their shows that that convey some sort of message uh, yeah. or dialogue and whatnot the updated one for this year is like don't be a villain where it's like villains have the best lines the best laughs the bit like whatever and it's mm-hmm. like don't be a villain turn off your phone it's uh and it's like footage of homelander and whatnot uh so right. it's yeah i i there's no excuse because it's like it's just a pop culture thing that it's like oh if you're a, a annoying in a theater you're annoying if you're making noise you're detracting from the film that's not a new concept it's like seinfeld touches on that uh so yeah there's no excuse it really is weird and it's all ages it's not just kids it's not just whatever it's multiple types of people are are causing disruptions from once again this is is a, a three and a half hour long morty scorsese picture and i don't understand how you go into that and be like ah whatever like either you see it or you yeah. don't you know I, that's the really big thing is uh you know there is a, a similarity to oppenheimer maybe that was it oppenheimer was such a big bombastic like event film and mm-hmm. so going into this which you know does feature uh pretty big courtroom drama stuff um it is a different kind of flavor to uh, historical events taking place during the early 1900s. Very, very differently done. So uh, there's a, once again, tying it into the people's reaction, there's a particular sequence in the film that, that features fire and uh, there's interesting visuals going on at a certain point. And I just imagine these people in front of me just being like, what am I watching? Like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. What am I seeing on screen right now? Like, I just thought of that. Meanwhile, I was like, this is a really creative way to show this. They were, I was like only imagining how bored they must have been at seeing <laughs> the way it was being shown. So I've mentioned a couple of times on, on this particular episode that I like going to the cinema for these movies. And like I would hear, like Red Letter Media is a good example where they like, you know, want cinemas to die, for example. And they would talk about these negative experiences that they would have. And I'm like, well, that's why, like, I don't have those experiences normally. Someone bringing out their phone is one thing, but like, I don't have like major disruptive experiences watching movies in cinemas. But I think because I was mostly going to cinemas where that's not going to happen. Like if I saw Killers of the Flower Moon at, there's a big cinema here called The Ritz. Um, which is where I've seen a lot of the classic films, classic, you know, in quotations, but like not films released in 2023 that I've seen in cinemas this year. (laughs) Those are packed, like for those classic screenings, like those are cinemas where you got film people there and it's kind of eye-opening to how many people there are that are, are like that. So I go to cinemas like that often. So when I go to more of a, a general kind of public one and I, I get that experience, it's disappointing and eye-opening in another way. So... Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame that we had that experience for this movie, but uh, I think we both really really enjoyed the movie regardless. So that's good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a movie based on a true story, uh, talking about the the Osage tribe in Oklahoma, in regards to them in the early nineteen twenties. 
uh, about how a large group of them were murdered and uh, how nobody seems to care. And we are told this through this sort of story of people sort of scheming and manipulating, uh, and it's really well done. I, I thought that uh, the film starts off with the, the sort of Native American people uh, just sort of coming to terms with it. Be, it was sort of just being them being like, well, our time's up. <laughs> That's how hmm. it came off. It was kind of really sad because it's, yeah. it's these people realizing that their, their children will speak a different language and their teachings will not be taught anymore um, because they, they realize that people will be coming for where they live because they live on a, a land filled with oil. And it's really interesting seeing these these people come to terms with how the times will have to change and how they will have to adapt uh, only for years to pass and people to look at them as like, oh, look at these lazy, rich people who don't have to work for anything. And it's like, yeah, if they didn't have this money and have claim to all this, we know what would happen. And it would probably be the same thing as what happens when they do have money, which is these people get killed. And it's very sad. Um it's a it's 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 very dour for a good chunk of it and that's just because there's just so much consistent death for for people and it seems like there's no justice in sight <laughs> that's kind of the yeah. movie uh for for a good good chunk of it yeah definitely uh like martin scorsese is obviously a great director and so like saying that he made a great movie is not going to be surprising um, yeah. But making a movie like this that is so, like you said, dour for so much of it, and you feel really, really hopeless while watching it, um, because you are seeing these people die off, and they, you know, you can't do anything about it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is really interesting because he's, he's, I guess by default the protagonist, but it's more that we see the event <laughs> through his eyes, you know, mostly, and. He's not a particularly racist character or anything. I mean, we see him mock like the Native American call and things like that. So it's not like he's, you know, not without his, his prejudice, but he's, he's not, you know, his part in the killing of these people is not because he hates Native American people. And then like we see in the background, you know, of all of this going on, that there's also the KKK that just exist, you know, and uh... <laughs> it's weird to say that it is one of the funniest shots in the movie. Because uh, I would say that we've been talking about how dour this film is, and I guess at this point, spoilers, I I guess. Cause there's sure, I think we have to, yeah. In in terms of the ending and everything that I want to talk about. So, it, yeah, definitely go see it if, if you're in the mood for this kind of film. You know, like, yeah, if you only want to see high-octane action films. Like, it was funny, we got the trailer for the Marvels before this, and it's like, <laughs> gosh, what a different kind of, of movie. But if you sure. would like something that i mean if you're a fan of his prior work you'll you'll enjoy this i would say in terms of marty but yeah this this movie um i guess it has period appropriate racism as it were mm -hmm. so if you hear phrases like engine and things like that it's gonna happen there there is some scenes where obviously it's designed to be that way but you know you'll have like older white people in the film you know people older than than what you know obviously there's the 1920s period and then so you've got old people in the 1920s who are just openly yeah. talking about how savage the the sort of red-skinned people are in a sense mm -hmm. and it's it's hard to sit through but it's supposed to be as you watch these people talk about how it's like oh it's so unfortunate that these these babies are are half 
you know, white and half not. And you're like, oh, goodness, goodness me, please, please stop. But yeah, in in regards to, to Leo's character, it is one of those things where I don't know about everyone, but I definitely sort of when I watch things where it is pretty dour and pretty hopeless, you look for those sanctuary characters and, you know, you just sort of hope like, please be good, you know, please be someone I can trust in this situation. And luckily, we do get eventual characters like that, the, the Jesse Plemons uh, sort of FBI character. But mm-hmm. with, with someone like your protagonist, someone like Leo, you're hoping of like, oh, Ernest, can you please like learn from your mistakes? Can you please have your face turned sooner? And then like it just doesn't come and it just doesn't come. But he keeps making choices where you're just like, oh, my God. Like, there's no coming back. Like, the more things that happen, the, the the more you just sort of fall away from this this person. And like you mentioned, it's not like he's like a cartoony evil character. He's, you know, tries to hold a facade of, like, loving his family and everything for as long as possible. And I think that's what really, really gets a, a sort of strong ending to sort of jump all the way to that, where it's like he is very honest and very open but like to the point where he can't even be honest with something where it's like it'd almost be more damaging the more honest he would be about what he did to his wife and everything past that point. Like he can justify all the killings and all the things that he did to her family and, and people she knew, but like to her, he almost can't admit it to himself. Mm. It, it's it's pretty complicated when you get to the ending there, which is which is incredible because yeah, it's if you were to look at it on paper, this is a very unlikable character in in he gets what he deserves in the end, you know, like it, it truly is a sentencing, a very tragic sort of like you fell from grace. So this is what you get. I feel no sympathy for you because these are the actions that you decided to make. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting to have that as your protagonist, especially with a big name, like Leonardo DiCaprio in the role where for some people, that's going to be someone they want to root for. So Lily Gladstone's character, uh, Molly, Molly. Yeah. She, uh, has diabetes so she's been given it's leo's job Ernest's job to give her insulin but from the doctor and from his uncle played by robert de niro uh, he's been given something to add to the insulin to slow her down slow her down yeah so it's 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 presented to Ernest like you know this will just this is to help her but he's not a total idiot, and we, we learn that in the film, but he knows that this is also going to... This is slowly killing her, but uh, mm-hmm. but continues to do it. And like you said, can't admit it to himself, just like he can't admit it to Molly uh, in, a, in a really good confrontation towards the end of the movie. And uh, I think in terms of final scenes in a movie, this is one of my very favorites. The telling us what happened... Uh, instead of just getting like we we get with dumb money, like you know you get the the title cards that appear on screen that say where everybody is now, right? Um, yeah. Or, or you know what happens to them after the events of the movie. Instead of that, we get like a I want to say like a 1950s 60s. Um, uh, J Edgar Hoover presents cases that the FBI worked on, like a radio show. And it's it was like a live performance a, radio show. A yeah. live performance, which made it interesting and made being able to digest the information a lot easier because we have we see these actors performing these roles as well as like the the sound and people um, 
I don't know what you call them, like the folly people. Uh, uh, oh my god, that was so great! Yeah, where it's just like a radio show, as you imagine. You've got yeah. a, you know, it's like he was locked up, and then you have someone like slam in the jail door. You know, like you would imagine for a radio play. It's yeah, great. Um, like to to show someone like writing a letter, you hear like scratch, 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 <laughs> like you know, just <laughs> like it's a, a pen on paper. Um, yeah, that was amazing, and uh, I wasn't sure how I felt about this the second, you know, the first second that it happened, but then. Martin Scorsese himself appears on screen and tells us the fate of Molly. And I was like, is that a little, you know, is it a little self-congratulatory to have yourself be the person that does this? But it is his telling of the story. So there was something about that that I thought was quite, uh, quite nice. And, um, I, I will say for, for us, before we saw the movie, we did get a little featurette. I'm like, hi, I'm Marty Scorsese, and this is my movie, and like him talking about the making of and how important it was for him, mm-hmm. and like he made it very clear just how like personal and like I said, important it was to tell this story and how they worked with the the people in the area to make sure that it was an authentic sort of representation and and like all these things. Like it was a very very well done uh, from at least the perspective that they were showing, uh, sort of telling of history. So it almost, like, in a way, even though that wasn't part of the film, it did sort of give, like, a, a sort of bookend feeling, sure. you know, of him before the film being like, this is really important. So for him to then show up in the film and, like, reaffirm the history of it, you know, the real-life events uh, and reading her obituary, it it, dis- it does have that sort of pact. Like, I could see people finding it, like you said, just a little like, oh, yeah, then the director shows up and hmm. tells you why this matters. It's like... That could be a, a a wild thing to try to pull off, but when you're sitting there for so long watching these characters unfold, and it is a firm reminder of, like, this is real, you know? Like, to say whether or not every little thing that happened was 100% recreation, sure, you know, it's a movie. However, it does sort of drive home that feeling of, like, oh my goodness. Once again, it goes back to the beginning of the movie. This idea of these people sort of accepting their fate, and then, not in a happy way, it's not like they were just like, well, you know, we had a good run, folks. Like, it's it's a group of crying people sort of burying themselves mm-hmm. and burying the the idea of their identity. And so then to, to circle back around and be like, yeah, th- this is what happened. And there's no mentions of it being murders. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's none of that information. It's just some people died. Meanwhile, there's a whole historical reason as to why these people died. But that's not important. Yeah, you know, for for the news and for most people, doesn't matter. And this is a nice sort of confirmation of like, it's 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 sad. You know, it's sad that uh, the that this is like not thought of in the same way. You know, because we also get a lot of historical references to things. I mentioned Jesse Plemons being the sort of introduction of FBI. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they introduce that as like, well, what is that? What does this mean? Um. They reference the, the 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 Tulsa, Oklahoma riots. Yeah. Right? Um, which is sort of weird because I think the last major thing that referenced that was like the Watchmen show. Right. Which I think came out like four years ago today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's weird that that's such a, uh, a prevalent piece in, in this time. But so, yeah, they, they do a lot to sort of place a historical reference. You mentioned the KKK bit. Yeah. Um, and it's just a, a, a weird sort of comfortableness that the country has with 
certain forms of racism. Yeah. Like when it doesn't need it, you know, you can just you can stand by your brothers in arms and everyone's made equal and blah, blah, blah. But as soon as something else happens, it's so easy for people to turn a blind eye and not care. And it's such a, uh, you know, people reaffirming this idea that, like, you could probably get uh, get a job, you know, get it, make it easier to convict somebody for kicking a dog than than killing a, a Native American person. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 like by the end of the film, it's proven like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh so yeah that that really I thought it it worked for for what it was doing I I thought it I it was pretty impactful. Yeah, if uh, when it you have the opportunity to see it, I would recommend it. Um, I guess I mentioned at the beginning I joked that it was good but long, and I, I do just want to talk about that because there's there's always going to be an online in particular discussion about length of movies and what's necessary, and I have seen that be a, a criticism of this movie is its length and. But like I said, just long movies, three-hour movies in general are going to have this conversation. And I don't like the idea that a movie can't be three hours. Like, the the viewpoint that, like, no, movies just shouldn't be that long. I think that's nonsense. Um, but I think certain movies don't need to be that long. Uh, when you fill your movie with padding and filler, like, that's unnecessary, obviously. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't feel the runtime with this. Um, like, this and Oppenheimer, like, neither of those times that I go like, fuck, this is long. It wasn't until after the fact that you're like, oh man, yeah, that's a, that's a long-ass movie. But... It all depends, yeah. right? Like, for this one, I enjoyed living in this world and knowing these people. This does an interesting thing that I do like when films do, where... It wasn't super clear with its passage of time, more yes. so you just having an understanding of it. Like, there are points where, like, you know, children are had, and, you know, we then at later, a later points established of, like, oh, in, in the courtroom of, like, oh, you this happened in 1921, correct? Like, it's uh, John Lithgow, which I didn't know was in the film. <laughs> Neither did so I. that was funny when he started talking. Oh, yeah. You, so you don't like, see his I, face, but you hear that voice. And you're like, is that John Lithgow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I recognize him. Yeah. Um, the other person I didn't know in the film was fucking Foggy Nelson from the Netflix. I, ca- I, I did want to bring uh, that up. Yeah. Eldon Henson appears in the movie and says nothing. He's, <laughs> he speaks less than his character in the hunger games. Like he, he's just there and, uh, he's just present for two different scenes. And I was like, foggy. And then nothing. <laughs> so I thought, yeah. I mean, I'm glad for him. He, you know, he got to work with Scorsese or whatever, but yeah, it was just funny seeing an actor who I consider, somewhat notable that was just present on screen. That was it. It was just there. Uh, but yeah, this movie does a, a, the wonderful thing that I think it depends on the film, but there's not an over explanation of like, Ooh, look, this character now has this hair and this attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's clearly, you know, time stamped this year. So, you know, they're different characters more or less look the same on a surface level. Um, there's some slight changes and some character changes that can kind of cue you in on when things happen. But it's not like they start putting old man makeup at one point or <laughs> sure. make it very obvious that like, oh, it's been X amount of years. And so like you, you sort of find yourself just like watching the time go by before you know it. Um, and I, I, I think that's part of the film. You know, I, I it, it's just so interesting to see where things are, are going and, and how things are going to escalate from here that I, I didn't have any issue with it. I think if the subject matter doesn't interest you, if you don't find like leo's performance engaging or you know De Niro or whatever that's one thing 
when I when I walked out of the film, I could picture in my head someone doing a really like basic impression of this character in like an SNL skit, you know, like having his little greasy parted hair and his like mega frown that he does. And like that being just a character that doesn't do anything particularly funny, but they cut to it on an SNL skit and you hear the audience laugh because he's doing the thing, you know, he's doing the big pout lips. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was, I just, I found it really interesting. Um, obviously I, I, I personally don't have any sort of native American heritage in, in my family, but I, I have lived in Texas my whole life. Uh, native American culture isn't exactly a foreign thing. Uh, so it is something mm-hmm. that is, uh, I, I've, I've, I've witnessed my whole life. And so I do have an interest in it in terms of, how things are interpreted and, 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 and all that and, and where it's gone and, and growing up in a place that it's just, it's totally normal to name your high school and all these different things after Indians, you know, that's just the norm. It's like I said, it's Texas. That's just, you know, part of the, part of the culture. And so to kind of grow up and learn different things and kind of see things that they don't tell you about, cause they tell you about the basic stuff, the trail of tears and everything, but there's so much stuff that gets left out. And so you're like, yeah, I've this story, which is a real story. I didn't learn this in school, so I'm I'm glad it's being taught. But I don't know, I don't know who will be going to see it other than than film people. So sure, I, I hope if you have an interest, if you're wanting to get into seeing different kinds of film, by all means, please see it. But I have a feeling our audience, you know, <laughs> isn't having to be swayed into like, hmm. Maybe I will see this. Like you, you'll know. You already kind of know if you'll see it or not. Yeah, I. So I was gonna say with the the runtime, there was a point where I thought the movie was coming to an end, where it just sort of felt like the end was about to come, and then it went for like another hour. And I don't, I don't say that to be uh, dismissive, but um, early in the film, uh, we see uh, the the mother to uh, Molly. She sees an owl come in the window mm-hmm. and which is one of the scariest shots in the movie when an owl just like flies towards the screen uh, it was kind of <laughs> like whoa it was like it was a very confronting shot and then uh molly sees uh an owl as well and i was like okay like you know i think we're reaching the end and then it we have the whole court case that follows it um brendan fraser you know <laughs> like i i'd forgotten that he was in it i was like oh i haven't seen him yet yeah look i i do i understand where people are coming from with like long run times but i also think that people need to i don't know harden up a bit it's like it's not that bad you know <laughs> when people binge watch hours of television and then can't handle a three-hour movie i'm just a little bit like it is different when you're at home when you can pause it. Like I, I understand that if you're someone that has a weak sure. bladder, maybe. But I mean, otherwise, I, I don't see the problem. So, that's just me. It was a good movie. I liked it. Was happy with it. Um, I, I, I'm assuming it will get some sort of Oscar buzz. Um, I would like if Lily Gladstone gets some sort of mention because I thought she was really good in mm-hmm. this. Um, uh, see, that was. That was that that that'd be great to see, but I I mean it's a it's a Marty Scorsese film with with Leo and De Niro and all these people and um, I'm sure that's it's gonna get something, but who knows? I think De Niro will probably get some uh, some nominations for this. I actually thought he was great in this. It was the first time in a long time where I was like, man, that Robert De Niro sure is a damn good actor, isn't he? 
He's great. Um, There's little stuff where it's like, oh man, it's so funny to to watch people act when you know they're like there's one of the the scenes early on where they're like in the den talking and like this mm-hmm. uh earnest brother byron comes in and yep. it's just like watching de niro act when he's not talking and it's just like little mm-hmm. things you know the 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 way he's like interacting with with the two actors on screen while he's not having to deliver any important dialogue or it was just it felt very real he's very funny and it as this evil scheming man he's got some really sure entertaining bits in it just the the type of character he's playing that's so just sure of himself and he's he's representing it like that's like a friendship with these these people in terms of the osage like he's one of their most trusted people uh it's very much represented as like uh, letting a sort of uh coyote if you will into the to the hen mm-hmm. house um yeah so you've got that kind of vibe with it. But yeah, just him being like, well, I'm turning myself in, you know, for murder. And it's like, yeah, if you can believe it. But hey, it's, it's, he's, he's like so sure of himself and everyone's on his side. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I thought he gave a wonderful performance. But I, that's the whole movie. There's not a bad performance in the bunch. I'm interested to see what people think of Brendan Fraser, just because he does like a whole bit in the courtroom that I thought was really funny. Yes. But at the same time, I could see people being like, this is so different from everything else. But there's an intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. We liked it. We both liked it. It's quite good. If you can, if you, if you have the time and you have the interest, <laughs> absolutely see it. Absolutely. Anthony, where can people find you online? You can find me at Anthony Lantern on Instagram, Twitter, uh, letterboxd. Uh, you can also find me, uh, YouTube, Anthony to reviews where Anthony to reviews, uh, by the time this comes out, I will have a new video out showing off, uh, my Nightwing action figure collection so uh, i had done one several years ago at this point i think like over four years ago and it was just time to update it i've, I've gotten a few nightwing figures since then so i did make a video of it um, i think i do mention that it's like i don't have every nightwing figure i know people who have more than i do um who are those you people? can guess who that is I don't know. It could be anybody. I also appeared on a podcast recently, the Brown Boy Wonders podcast. Uh, my friend Abrar had me on, and a bunch of our other, my other friends, uh, discussing our top five Halloween candies. <laughs> um, if you want to know what it's like listening to, uh, you know, f- five dudes who have been friends since high school uh, talk, it's it's that. Um, it's something else. This was my first time on the podcast, and it was very, very interesting to say the least. I don't know. I don't know. No, just go listen to it, I guess, if you want. That's all I got to say. <laughs> uh, well, you can find me at Kirk Beattie on Letterboxd and Twitter. And uh, I also have a video coming out. Can you believe it? It's been so long, I guess. Um, and uh, Anthony, you're in it, but uh, maybe that's all I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, you could say that. That's true. I am in it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Happy Halloween, everybody.